Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. I am your host, Ronnie Landis, and I am also the founder and the educator of the Holistic Health Mastery Certification Course. This is a 125-video, highly engaging, highly comprehensive holistic nutrition certification program that really takes you into the depths and into really the fringes of where cutting-edge nutrition and detoxification and essentially all the different pillars of holistic health are at. It takes you from the beginning of just getting into getting your attitude tuned up, getting your mind right, getting your attitude and your mind attuned for success. And then taking you from the basics of raw food, and then taking you into superfood nutrition, taking you into tonic herbalism, taking you into the advancements of detoxification and cleansing protocols, going all the way into hormones and understanding hormone therapies, natural hormone therapies, taking you so far down the rabbit hole as you want to go, and at your own pace, by the way, not an overwhelming um, you know, series of videos or, or lessons that you have to cram in that we all kind of grew up with in the brick-and-mortar educational institution. This is essentially a program that's interactive that you can go at your own pace. So no matter what your lifestyle no matter where you're at with your career or your family life, this is a program that's designed to allow each person to go at their own pace. And there is so much more. I want to just direct your attention to holistichealthmastery.com. If this resonates with you, if it's interesting to you, then go over to holistichealthmastery.com. Check it out. We got all the information laid out on that website. The full curriculum is laid out. The frequently asked questions um, page is laid out to see um, you know, with some of your burning questions about the course and how the course could benefit you in your personal or possibly professional aspirations. Check it out. Okay, so today's episode is exciting. This one is something, this was an episode that I had been waiting to do and with an individual I had been waiting to interview for a while, but this was the perfect time. This man, his name is Roger Drummer, and Roger Drummer is a renowned tonic herbalist and natural nutritionist, and I became aware of him through my affiliation with the company Jing Herbs and its founder, George Lamoureux, which is another master tonic herbalist that we, uh, uh, episode eight, we did an interview with him. If you haven't seen that, definitely check that out. What a jewel. But this one in particular, what an incredible interview. What can I say about it? It's just really going to that extra depth, that extra layer, uncovering that extra layer of not only tonic herbalism, because we had addressed the fundamental principles, philosophies, and the dynamics of Chinese herbalism in a few podcasts below, but 
This one, we really dove into a lot of the scientific principles. As always, we brought up our favorite herb, which is reishi mushroom, and diving into some interesting nuances about reishi. Um, we also we also tapped into a subject that I haven't discussed in any previous podcast, which is bioenergetics, the biological electromagnetic field that is emanating from our physical body, which appears to actually be the primary indicator of where somebody's health is at. Beyond Western diagnostics, this is kind of an Eastern approach, but it's actually our energy field that dictates and regulates the harmony or the the harmonic symphony of the the vitality of the body. That's one way of saying it anyways. We dive into that. We go into neurological nutrition. We really dive in towards the the second half of the interview into cognitive health because that's something that Roger has focused a lot of his attention on as an herbalist and nutritionist as developing protocols for reducing stress bringing people back into parasympathetic harmony, reducing cortisol and stress in the body, which cripples cognitive function, it cripples mental clarity, and then helping people to increase cognitive performance. And me and Roger, we just had an incredible conversation. We we just really resonated. We harmonized very well together, and it made for an incredibly entertaining an interesting and definitely highly educational episode. So I am excited for you to dive into this one. So without further ado, I want to introduce Roger Drummer. Enjoy. Roger Drummer is an NCCAOM diplomat of Chinese herbology and a master tonic herbalist. Also a nutritionist and U.S. patent holder, Roger travels extensively throughout North America and Europe, lecturing on the benefits of natural living and bioenergetics. Roger is the president of Doc Alchemy and co-owner of HerbWorks.com, where he serves as a product formulator. Herbworks flag Herbworks flagship product is Tian Chi, a powdered anti-stress and energy drink designed for brightening the mind and reducing stress. As well, he consults and teaches about health, herbs, and nutrition. Over the past 30 years, Roger's experience has included formulating personalized tonic herb and nutritional programs for tens of thousands of clients, including many notable celebrities. In addition, Roger is credited with developing a patented process for growing biologically active anthocyanin-rich medicinal mushrooms. Because of his unique ability to distill complex information on a variety of health topics, Roger is a highly sought-after educator. His unique style of presentation enlightens and informs, leaving people inspired to incorporate the information presented. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, I um, was really excited to bring you on. You know, 
out of about, by the time that this airs, this will be interview number 30 on this podcast, and which is kind of special in its own little way. Um, but you are actually, coincidentally, you are the third tonic herbal representative to come onto the show. We had George Lamoureux, who I know is a very dear friend of yours. We had uh, my other friend and colleague, Romania Dean Thomas, come on. And now you're number three. So I feel like that has this has like a special energy to it. All right. Well, herbs do. You know, herbs have a, an incredible healing energy to them. Absolutely. I'm excited to go into that with you. So let's start off with um, from the beginning. How did you get started in herbology, in holistic nutrition, just your, your interest in health, um, as it were? How did that evolve for you? Well, herbs in particular, I got involved really by accident. I was studying shiatsu in Santa Monica, and there was a certain type of uh, healing art called Jinshin Do, which I really loved. I just loved the whole concept of it, how it made you feel. Uh, it was a little more esoteric than shiatsu. And I found out that the former owner of the shop the Shiatsu School was actually the founder of Jin Shindo. Him and his wife had started that whole movement in the United States. And it turns out he owned an herb shop down the street. And that same herb shop, I was sent down there at one time to buy some herbs for something I was actually being treated for, which was chronic fatigue at the time. So while I went down there and I thought, you know, he takes apprentices, and I thought, well, maybe I can get an apprenticeship and learn about Jin Shin Do from the guy who wrote the book, right? So I was hanging around there trying to get noticed so I could become an apprentice, and I heard one of the herbalists say something magical about an herb. He said that the herb put wings on your heart. And when I heard that, it just resonated with me. It was the first time I ever heard of any ingredient in the health field being related to uh, an emotion or how you felt. You know, it wasn't just about a symptom of some disease. It was, it, was a, it was a higher art they were talking about. So that fascinated me. So I bought a dollar fifties worth of it. You know, I was on disability from an accident. I didn't have hardly any money. So I, I spent a dollar fifty on asparagus root and chewed it on the way home. Didn't feel anything from it. Didn't thought it tasted a little odd. But that night I had flying dreams. And so I woke up the next morning and I thought, I'm going down there to get some more root. So I went down and bought a couple dollars worth of root, went home, you know, chewed it on the way home, went to sleep that night. And again, I had flying dreams again. And so I just started hanging out at the shop until I got accepted as an apprentice so I could learn more about it. But my real goal was still to learn about Jin Shindo. So how I'm I'm really I'm curious. So from that from that place, um, and it's funny about asparagus. That's one of the you know when it's when they say it puts wings on you. Um, that that's just kind of an interesting thing. I won't even go down that rabbit hole right now, but uh, maybe we'll bring that back. I have a little a little um, love a love affair with asparagus, so that just kind of brought up something for me. But anyways, um, I would love to hear, like, how did, from that place, how did it continue to evolve? Because I know there's a there's more depth to the story. Well, 
I stayed at the shop and I was there for probably another three months or so and still having experiences with asparagus root. That was a magical herb for me. I had an experience every single time I ate it. In my sleep, I'd have these wild dreams. My crying dreams, my, my um, flying dreams turned into crying dreams where I was processing old information. And really, it turned out to be grief the more that I learned about Chinese medicine. But I still was going to leave the shop. Uh, it was about midsummer that year, 1990, and I was going to move back to Sedona, where I had lived before I, at one time before I moved to LA. So that one of those days, I was at the shop doing my little apprenticeship, which, by the way, involved a lot of dishwashing and floor sweeping and cleaning and stocking shelves. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was. We found this mushroom growing in the shed out behind the shop where we stored all our bulk herbs. Turns out one of our mushrooms had thrown off some spores and a mushroom grew right out of the boards of the shed. So it was really quite funny. So we took that mushroom in and the owner who was running the shop made a tea out of it and invited 10 of his best customers to come that night to drink the tea. It was a reishi mushroom tea, a wild reishi mushroom. And he invited a lot of acupuncturists, herbalists, people that had been connected to the shop for a long period of time. And so I really wasn't um, that friendly or that open. At the time, besides having chronic fatigue, I was very shy and, and I'm an introvert by nature, extremely introverted. So, But I thought there was something really interesting going on, so I hung around and just served everybody tea at this little gathering after the store closed. And so, you know, I did my little thing. I handed out cups of tea. I drank three cups of tea, thought it tasted pretty disgusting. And then I said goodbye and walked home. And I got about halfway home walking through the back streets of Venice, California. And I had this most amazing experience. I heard this really loud voice speak to me. And it was so loud that I thought, uh, I just stopped walking and looked around. And I started looking under cars. I was looking behind parked cars. I thought somebody at work was pulling a joke on me because this loud voice just came out of nowhere and said something to me. And so then I, I couldn't find anybody. In fact, I even asked a couple of people's names that I work with um, at the shop if they were around just out loud to see if they would reveal themselves. And nobody did. So I didn't know what that whole experience was about. So I started walking back home again, went about another 40 steps or so, and the voice spoke to me again. And at that moment, I realized what it was and that I was having a, a pretty much what you would call a mystical experience. The voice of God just appeared to me and said something to me. And I literally, like I was in a movie, just looked up in the clouds and had this realization and at that exact moment, it was as if my chronic fatigue disappeared in an instant, and I could feel energy throughout my entire system, and a sense of, of just like calm and peace, and yet being energized. And I just continued walking home. I was probably a couple hundred yards from home. And I felt really light and buoyant. And I, when I got home, I just went into my room and sat down and stared at the wall for probably four or five hours. It was really one of those states of having a blank mind 
where you're really not thinking much of anything and you're just looking off into space. And that was the rest of my evening. Wow. I, um, it, it seems like a very universal theme, especially when we discuss Ganoderma lucidum, reishi mushroom, um, and people's introduction into Chinese herbalism. And so much of it is, uh, so much of it comes back to reishi mushroom. I know for me, reishi is by far, without a doubt, um, my favorite herb of all time for a number of reasons, um, the way that it affects the holistic system of the body, but also for the Shen enhancing um, or expressing properties, which are which I always hear from other herbalists like George Lamoureux. I know that's his favorite herb. Ramania Dean Thomas, I know that's his favorite herb. Ron Teagarden, as far as I understand, that's pretty much his favorite herb. Um, I can't. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm getting the hint that that might be possibly true for you too. Maybe. Yeah, it's up there. Okay, it's up there. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to say I have a favorite. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like having children. You, know? uh-huh. you have a favorite one. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but it seems to be. Um, it seems to be the the one when people come to me and they ask me, you know, how do I get started with with herbs? What do I take? How do I do it? And my my immediate go to is like, look, start with reishi mushroom. That's the one that will open up the rest of the gateway for you um, and help teach you about the rest of the system. Do you do you find that to be the same? Oh, I do. You know, the, the great thing about reishi is that if someone's asking you that question anyway, they're in a position to where they want something to change in their life. Mm. They're, they might not know it, but they're in, a, they're in a pivotal point where they're looking for something transformational in their life. And that's really reishi's, one of its properties, is that it opens up the energy centers in your brain that... Um, allow you access to the type of experience that can transform your life. And that's what it really did for me. That experience that I had that day still is involved with almost every thought process and everything that I do in my work even today. And that took place 26 years ago. Mm. So there's hardly anything I do that doesn't involve something that was part of that process. Yeah, I can I can definitely relate to that. Um, on that on that note, I would love to go into the the realm of bioenergetics. This is such a cool topic and one that doesn't really get a lot of uh, airplay. Let's say it doesn't always get. We don't always discuss the the vital energetics of food. Or or uh, let me back up. Actually, in my work, anyways, I discuss a lot of. The, the energetics when it comes to living foods. We know about Curlian photography and the energetic emissions. We well, Most of us have kind of familiarized ourselves with the idea that food is living and has energy. But then, you know, when we think of herbs, a lot of times we get herbs in these powdered extracts or just because we're, our, we're Western-minded, we're not familiar with the nuances of herbalism. So I would love for you to go into the the bioenergetic work and understanding that you have with with nutrition and herbalism? Well, it's a complex subject, and 
one that could be talked about in a lot of different ways. But from my understanding, the way that I see it and the way that I use it, and I'm glad you brought up extracted herbs too, because a lot of people think that if you cook something, which an, an herbal extract is cooked, that it damages the energy, so to speak, or that it has some negative effect on it. And it's really not true. Um, say it might be a little more, um, profound in its effect as far as disrupting the energy when it's a cooked food but there's something about making a proper extract that retains the entire energy as long as you do it right in fact if you extract an herb too potent then it loses all its herbal um, identity and it no longer has an energy field to it. it just becomes a chemical like anything else used in western medicine and so herbs retain their energetics. So any herb that you're talking about, and well, let's talk about reishi mushroom, for example, since we brought it up. Reishi mushroom, you could look at that as a great liver tonic. It detoxes your liver. It's really great for your glands. Um, it, you know, it has this amazing detox property, yet it's a restorative type of herb. So it has a lot of different health benefits to it. But you still have to look at the bigger picture of it and look at the energy field of it. And as far as an energetic or an energy field um, type of substance, reishi has a profound effect on what they call your ajna or your third eye mm -hmm. and your crown chakra and your pineal gland. And so when you even just hold it in your hand, if it's a great extract, and especially if it has a little bit of spore retention in it, it causes a violet energy to just um, envelop the entire top of your body, your entire head and your shoulders and around your heart. And it, it's, it's this energetic effect that you have to keep in mind when you're even formulating with reishi. For example, you know, reishi is not is a adaptogen, right? So an adaptogen means that it would be affecting your hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenals in some way, and, and reishi does that. It's also very good for your pineal gland. So it has an effect as an adaptogen of regulating um, how your glands work in the whole stress response. But you also have to look at the bigger picture of it and the energetic part of it because it works on your uh, ajna, which is the shocker related to your pituitary. And, and this is fascinating to me, and it always has been, because just because something is good for your pituitary doesn't mean it actually affects your chakra that much, maybe in a very minute way. But reishi is not like that. Reishi seems to be uh, more powerful for the chakra itself than the actual gland. And so when you're looking at that aspect of it, then you realize that part of your, the energetics of your brain and this is getting into more bioenergetics, which has to do with like the synergy of how all your brain works. With human beings, you can't ever look past the fact that your chakras in your brain are essential to brain function in a way that um, if you're not somewhat open, and by somewhat open, I mean every human being is somewhat open, but you know, through meditation, you open it more. And, and through certain herbs, you can open it more and in your thought process. But without that connection, the brain actually becomes lost. In other words, it's, a, it's a still maybe functioning for certain things, but it's lost its direction or its compass. It's kind of like a ship without a rudder. 
And so that little bit of a connection through the chakras is what keeps your brain um, in tune and able to actually regulate itself and come back on to what you say, just come back to its set point more easily, in other words. So you look at reishi that way, and when you're developing a brain tonic, you look at, well, if you open a chakra along with supplying the brain with things that it actually needs to work, then you're allowing the brain to have access to a higher um, energy so that the thought system might be more readily to move into a space to where you're seeing the bigger picture of things and having more open, um, say, open and expanded views of whatever situation you're actually in. In other words, it's just an expansive type of quality that it brings to the formula for your brain. Instead of thinking of your brain as just something that processes nutrients, it also processes energy. And that energy has an influence on higher thought. So it's a great combination to put together. That's a wonderful explanation. And what comes up for me as I'm, as I'm listening to this, and I want to bring it back just very quickly to the the original point that you brought up about um what i what it reminds me about is um the concept of orgone energy um that wilhelm reif put out there and that you made a you made a comment that i thought was pretty interesting that perhaps um the energetics the subtle energetics of our food are being um, affected by cooking, and that's definitely my belief. Um, but there's a there's some kind of distinction with tonic herbs and the herbal extracts because, in my own intuitive my own intuitive uh, GPS, if you will, my intuitive navigation of these things, I started out on this path um, with raw food actually, and so I was very um, guided by the the philosophy of living foods and I was completely a raw foodist for for a number of years but then I got introduced to tonic herbs and somehow it clicked you know what I mean like it wasn't like oh well what about the heating of the herbs and the elixirs like that's not really good for them right I didn't have that immediately it just clicked and it made sense and somehow without having the the scientific knowledge I just was like, yeah, herbs aren't really food. I eat them like food, but there's something else. There's something of their own nature that doesn't exist under the same laws that I'm I'm operating when it comes to like quote unquote food, right? So I I just thought that was a really great point because a lot of people do ask me, um, people coming from like the raw food world. They'll ask me, well, you know, I like this whole herbal idea, but does it damage the the nutrients or the the thought to be enzymes in the herbal extracts? And my my instinctual answer is no. This is a different. This is a completely different genetic organism we're dealing with. But um, do you have anything else that you'd like to add on that? Well, with most herbs, you couldn't really get much benefit out of them if they weren't extracted or cooked in some way. Right. They're bound up in types of fiber that you couldn't possibly digest. Reishi mushroom, yeah. for example, is mm-hmm. just a piece of wood. And <laughs> you're never going to be able to digest that wood. In fact, when I started at the herb shop, we were one of the first places to sell reishi mushroom that wasn't just ground up. So most people were just grinding up reishis 
and literally oh, you'd wow. have to have been a termite to even digest it. <laughs> but the reality is, is that you can release that if you do it right in the right extract form and it retains all of its plant identity and energy. Okay. And if you're sensitive to it, you can feel it with most herbs. They'll have a, a definite um, energy field to them. So the extraction doesn't really uh, do much to harm that. It might get rid of some enzymes, but you know, enzymes aren't important in every single thing you put in your system. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, I love the raw food movement and I have a comment about your raw food days too, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I went through that same thing. And I'm telling you, if you wouldn't have gone through your raw food stage, you wouldn't have had probably as profound an experience when you found the herbs. Mm. Because raw food, one of the beauties of it, and I've been through that myself, is that it's very cleansing to your system. And not just what we think about with liver detoxing and kidneys detoxing and stuff. But plant food has such a vibrant energy to it, especially when you take it in raw form or you're juicing. And it also has an amazing amount of light tra- trapped in it, you know, biophotons from the sun. And literally, it's like eating light, you know, in plant form. And so when you take that in your system, not only does it detox your physical body, but it has a very lightening effect on your entire energy field. And so once you go through that process and you feel, you know, that feeling you get when you're drinking a lot of juice, you're really light and vibrant. Well, your whole energy field is being cleansed from that. And so it puts you in a position to have a greater experience when you take something like reishi mushroom or these tonic herbs that literally are these potent energy fields that come in contact with a clean energy field. It's a, it's a whole different experience, I think, for people. I'm so in agreement with that, with that, those statements on a level that is purely experiential. Um, one of the things I have to, I have to just put this out here, um, and maybe you have a, a perspective on this, let the truck drive by. Um, this is an observation I've had of the nutrition world, and I'll just, I'll just pose it as, you have like the the herbal world where I've I've seen a lot of herbalists, whether they are Ayurvedic herbalists or they are Chinese herbalists, who are so, um, for a lack of a better word, dogmatic um, about their cultural about that culture's specific traditions and philosophies, where their diet is actually horrible and their health doesn't appear to be that radiant, but they are so deeply invested into every single doctrine of that um uh of that herbal system and i and i just felt like uh, for a while i was like wow like there's so much amazing tools in that system but it seems to me that a lot of people are not balanced they're not in harmony their their diet is they're just eating corn chips or whatever whatever (laughs) whatever the deal is and but they're taking their herbs so so it's all good and so i i'm i i just felt like at some point, the convergent had to happen where, where the, the, the superhero-like nutrition came in in combination with tonic herbalism. Yeah, you know, most people become very dogmatic in the new science that they consider saved their life or turned their life around. Right. It's real hard not to be. In fact, one of the most addictive things in the world is trying to quit the 
the program you got into that you think turned your entire life around? Whether it's raw food or just eating nothing but cooked food with herbs and, and whatever the program is, yep. once your, your health starts to fail, you actually think it has to be something else. It has to be a problem with me. It can't be the thing that I use to turn my life around. But most of the time it is. <laughs> your body is just adjusted to it. It needs to move to a different level. It needs to change. I had that same experience. I ended up with chronic fatigue, um, partly because of my diet. I was eating way too much raw food, cold things. Mm. But it was partly also because of my own insecurities and, and having my identity wrapped up in being a triathlete. I literally exercised myself into chronic fatigue, and my diet didn't support the amount of the massive amount of energy I put out into my workouts just wasn't being supported by my diet. But it was very hard to get off of a raw food diet. It's very addictive because it was part of my entire change in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, today I eat as I eat a lot of raw food. I love juicing, I love all these things, but I'm not uh, addicted to it and it's not my main mode of uh, health program. It's just part of my entire program that I use to take care of myself. Right. I, I love that so much. Um, it's kind of like when something becomes an identity, it, it, then it takes on a psychosomatic imprintation where your body at some point is being physically affected by the psychosclerotic yeah. um, uh, uh, hardening of the psyche where you think that one way is the only way and then you end up polarizing against any other people's opinion that may not agree with that or be in alignment with your way of thinking and it actually causes a contractive um, uh, muscular um, you know a contraction of the physical body um, and so forth so that's something I really I, I just appreciate people like you that that share a balanced perspective where it's very common that somebody had a healing experience on, let's just use it since we brought it up, a living foods approach or a vegan approach or whatever the case is. And then they and then they get to a point where that approach that saved them is no longer allowed to maintain them. And then they swing to the complete opposite side of the spectrum. And then they automatically polarize against the thing that actually saved them in the first place. I see that all the time too. And to me, it just seems like psychological or like cognitive dissonance of some sort. You know, I always, I always love this question. I like to ask people um, mm -hmm. if you couldn't tell anybody what you actually ate ever, what would you eat? What would you eat? <laughs> because. If they can't use it to preach to people about their own habits or to show people that they're superior to them uh. or anything else, what would you actually be eating? And so it's a great question for people to just kind of look at what they're doing in life. And one of the one of the best things I ever read about eating was by Yogananda. Mm. And Yogananda had this thing where, you know, he's vegetarian. He always preached vegetarian food because he felt it was the cleanest for the body. It prepared it for bringing in more light. Um, and so, but the thing he said about it was just find yourself a really good diet. And once you do that, just forget about it because you have many more important things, <laughs> more important things to do here on the earth than to just eat food. <laughs> you know, so I, I kind of follow that. You know, it's a great, mm. great way of looking at it. Find something that really makes you feel vibrant 
be you know be open to changing it but look at the big picture you're here to to accomplish amazing things you know yeah that's why i love fasting is because like i can just take a break from food Jeez. yes mm. okay thank you so much for that um now I got to go in this direction. This is one of the one of the reasons I specifically wanted to get you onto this podcast. I know that you're a big researcher and um, educator onto into the cognitive um, performance realm, and that's a huge area for me as well. So I would love to discuss the cognitive performance, some of the challenges we face when it comes to optimum mental clarity and focus. And as well as what are some of the best foods, herbs, and supplements for regeneration and overall brain power? Okay. Well, in my opinion, and this is kind of the stance I've taken for the last 10, 15 years. It's been, gosh, since maybe 2002 when I first discovered adaptogens. Uh, I realized at that point I'd been an herbalist for over 10 years working literally with thousands of people. One of the unique things about where I work was that I would normally talk to more people in a week than most people would ever see in a private practice in a month or two. It was just it was just an amazing amount of people would come through that. And you realize after a while that almost everybody's issues are all stress. Mm-hmm. And stress is the overriding thing with everyone. And this is back to Reishi. This is one of the interesting things about Reishi because it is a, a great anti-stress herb. We would just notice if you just stuck a bottle of Reishi in someone's program, no matter what they were complaining about, they were always better 30 days later. And why was that? It was because they were all stressed. And once someone relaxes a little bit, um, their body has a chance to reach its own equilibrium, and most of their things tend to go away. So you could have, and this was not uncommon, we could have people come in to, to see you, and they'd have 15 different problems. Some people, I've talked to people that were on 18 pharmaceutical drugs at one time, mm-hmm. if you can imagine that. Um, I had a person ask me, I gave them one bottle of herbs, and they wanted to know when they were going to feel it. And I'm looking at them, and I'm trying not to laugh because you're on 18 different pharmaceutical drugs. Do you actually expect to feel anything? You know, it's like, it, but, you know, this is that the whole thing started, I started to really realize that people just had stress. And they also had something that, you know, they, you referred to earlier, Shen disturbance. And Shen disturbance is really just a, a Chinese way of saying that your spirit's not happy. And so they're not happy in their own heart. They're stressed out. And if you can have an impact on that, then their whole being starts to change. And if you look at it from just a physical point of view, and, and, and the cognitive comes right along with this, uh, if you look at how and what Chinese medicine really is about, you know, and how it actually works, you know, we... Uh, I don't know if you're aware of the fact they've done numerous studies on meridians and and points, and they can't find meridians anywhere in the body, right? And yet Mm. Chinese medicine is based on meridians and affecting meridians with herbs, using acupuncture and stuff. You know, and the reality is there aren't any meridians in the body. There isn't any at all. And you kind of start to look at, well, what is Chinese medicine really about? Chinese medicine and acupuncture and massage and all these things is really about 
connecting the physical shell you have with the energy field or the blueprint that allowed that physical shell to actually develop in the first place, mm -hmm. which is around your body. And meridians are really just a connecting point between the physical and the next uh, dimension or energy field that's around it. And how that blueprint holds the information for every organ, gland, and system in your body. Mm -hmm. And when you're disconnected from it, it doesn't work as well. So when you can get someone to physically totally relax, all of a sudden, it's not just about getting rid of liver tension. It's not just about um, relaxing a bit. What happens is your physical body reconnects with the blueprint that shows every single cell how to actually function. And once it reconnects with that, the entire system goes back into a state of equilibrium and starts to function at its highest possible point. And so when you look at stress from that standpoint and that connection, then you, look, you take it a little farther and you're looking at cognitive things. Well, as soon as you have a stress, that stress, let's say you have a, a work-related stress. Well, that work-related stress is going to have an effect on you to a certain degree depending on how you actually feel at that moment. So if you had a full night's sleep, uh, you had a, a lovely conversation with your wife or your lover on the way to work, and you're just really happy. That stress rolls off you like a uh, drop of water on a duck, you know. It doesn't bother you at all. But if you're not, let's say you've had a terrible morning, you're stuck in traffic, you're all stressed out, just that, that little bit of a concept means that your brain is now shifted from frontal lobe creativity, big picture of life, down into the lower center where it's all just about survival, what's mine, how can I protect it, and I'm under attack, right? So you have that state of mind that walks into the same little situation that could have been nothing the day before, now is a major occurrence in your life. And it's all really based on your state of energy and where your brain was residing at that moment. And this, this is important in the fact of... Uh, like with anti-stress formulas and referring back to reishi mushroom, uh, if you're just taking a, a stress formula that is just designed to lower stress hormone, well, that's great. I mean, that's, you know, that's how Western medicine measures stress. Mm -hmm. um, but it does nothing else for you. Then it's not going to help you that much in that situation. But if you're taking an anti-stress formula that takes into consideration the energetics of your brain and is opening up the frontal lobe of your brain and the top of your brain so that you're more likely to move into a position of, of bigger picture creativity, um, all these different things that you have access to because your brain's in that position, then your stress is going to be completely different from somebody else's. You're going to process the whole event completely different. It's going to have a less of a physical effect on your body and you have more of a chance of always staying in connection with that blueprint that's around you that allows everything in your body to work at its optimum rate. If you're not, then you start to disconnect, and this, this disconnect could be your digestion, for example. When you're highly stressed, you only put out about 50% of your digestion even works because you're completely disconnected from things. Your liver's not working even half speed when you're totally stressed. All these things just shut down 
because that energetically it just disconnects you from everything that is kind of like the guideline on how your body's supposed to work anyway. Mm. Yeah, you know it comes up for me, um, especially when you were explaining about the actual field that our physical body resides in. Um, it reminds me of Valerie Hunt's research. Um, I'm sure you're aware of Valerie Hunt. She's like almost 100 now, or maybe she's at that point. I don't even know, but she's basically been studying the bioenergetic field and her whole theory was that um her her whole research i should say is that it's the field it's the state that our field is in the state of uh you know um harmony let's just say that our field is in that dictates the actual physical structure of the body so you you said that it's not just a compartmentalized perspective of like oh you have a fatty liver you have a stagnant liver or you have a um, you have a weak kidney or adrenal. It's actually the holistic, again, bioenergetic field. Just from that from that perspective, since we've we've talked about that, that's out of harmony and it's throwing off the system. And what I'm getting from this is that a lot of the the chronic fatigue or the the cloudy thoughts um, and the the mental and cognitive um, disabilities, let's just say are byproducts of a disharmonious field. It's, it's often the beginning of it. But the interesting aspect is of it, if you, like with fatty liver you mentioned, um, the field was probably off before that liver started developing its right. issue. But once it develops its issue and goes along that path, that physical defect now or that physical ailment further disconnects it from the field and so unless you're working on the physical at the same time you're mm. trying to do the energetics with um, doing acupuncture and all those different things it it's hard to bring it back together unless you're doing both it's really hard with a fatty liver to just open up the energy field or the meridian and have it go back to function it needs a physical component along with it, mm -hmm. depending on what's actually going on. But originally, you know, her theory is correct. The, the field determines how you experience almost everything. And a lot of that, it, well, a lot of the experiencing of it is from the upper field that has to do with your mind, your brain, because that, in my opinion, consciousness created that type of aspect to your field so that you could experience yourself and experience consciousness. And so it's all, it was all done in a, let's say, a conscious state that we as humans had to be allowed to have some system by which to know ourselves and to reconnect with our original essence, what they would call in Taoism as your, your essence. And so that's part of what your brain energy is about. It's, it's about the, it's actually set up to allow you to connect to deeper, um, higher truths and to see the clearer picture on who you actually are. Without that, you know, we're just basically um, people that are living a physical existence. So we all have that built-in, you know, um, program that we can tap into. And depends on things like uh, maybe for a catalyst, you use Chinese herbs. Maybe it's reishi mushroom or wild ginseng or asparagus root. But we have all these things that allow us to tap into that at some point. But again, if sometimes you can break something or injure something and it completely shuts off from that field and 
you have to do something specific for that injury or break for it to reconnect back into it. But it's all, it's all, it's kind of confusing, but it's all essential that you work on everything at one time. This is why when you're healthy, when you pay attention to your health, why you easily repair from trauma, injuries, and things like that more readily than someone who's eating so poorly because your field and your body are in sync or in tune more readily than most people. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to tell you, Roger, um, and I wanted to take this into the direction of what are some of those physical things that we can start to do. I got to tell you, um, I've been playing with nootropics, cognitive enhancers um, for years, and I was into a, I was at a place um, a number of years ago just playing around. I had gotten into it. And I heard about like the the racetams, paracetam, vimposatine, alpha GPC, um, uh, you know all those all those kind of cool little supplements and creating what are called nootropic stacks. Um, and then I have played with those for a while, and then I, I started being I started thinking, well, okay, what are the the herbal in the herbal pharmacology? What are considered nootropics and the definition of a nootropic is either something that increases nerve growth factor or increases blood flow to the brain. So that opened up a whole category of things like, oh, okay, well then there's a whole list of things. And then on the supplement end, I've done a lot of things, but one thing that has actually helped me um, and I didn't expect it to help me like this, but it increased my mood. It increased my, my literally my, my experience of Shen. And I dare say this, um, it increased my connectivity to the creator. I, I, I feel it on a more of a profound level than I have in a long time. And that supplement is N-acetylcysteine. So I just wanted to put that out there um, only because I want to take it in this direction of what are some of the, the definitely the herbs, but also like um, certain supplements that you're a big fan of for this. Well, you know, N-acetylcysteine, I can see where it would have a profound effect in you because it is one of the major nutrients for increasing glutathione. Mm-hmm. And glutathione is the master antioxidant in your entire system. And most people are suffering um, from inflammation all over their system, but in particular in their brains. It's not uncommon for someone, uh, just about anybody walking around today because of the food supply, to have an unusual level of inflammation in their brain. Uh, You look at all the sugar people eat, you look at all the chemicals, GMOs, all these things have disrupting you could say disrupting energetics, but they cause inflammation. And that inflammation can easily make it up into your brain. And when you're stressed out, you increase the amount of inflammation in the hippocampus of your brain so much that it actually becomes like a sponge to soak up toxic chemicals. Mm. So if you can imagine someone's completely stressed all the time and they're eating fast food most of the time, their brain is literally like a you can almost say the charcoals on a barbecue grill that you finished with a half hour ago. <laughs> They're still smoldering and hot, and it's like that all the time. And so um, N-acetylcysteine is, is a very powerful, um, let's say, potentiator of glutathione, and that is one of the main protective antioxidants for your brain. So it, it, I can see where you have an experience using it. So, But anything... 
I find that people can have profound effects with almost any nutrient. I have to say, though, personally, I never got much of an experience from most of the um, things that people always talk about is, you know, all these cognitive enhancers or their nootropics. I really didn't find much effect with any of them until I started combining them with formulas for stress. Mm. And I think that once you relax and open up your energetics, then your brain starts to function on a completely different level. Right, because most, and, most people that are, that are like in Silicon Valley or fo- are very focused and are in their head to begin with tend to be high strung. Right. Mm. And you know, I, keep, I always remember this movie, this part of this movie I saw, oh gosh, has to be 10, 12 years ago, What the Bleep Do We Know? Right. Um, there's a part in there where it shows a cell and different pathways of nutrition into that cell completely disappear when you're stressed. They don't know where they go, but they reappear when you're relaxed. And so that which brings you into another you know, new science of genetics, which is epigenetics. You know, the signal is coming from above the cell. So I find personally in my work that if you're not in a state somewhat of being uh, relaxed or able to take a step back from stress, you're not allowing any part of your body or brain to operate at its, its optimal function. So it's missing something. But when you can relax at the same time that you take some important nutrients for your brain, they don't have to be super nootropic, some wild thing that, that you, know, you get at a pharmacy or something, but just some clean food that your brain needs to operate. When you have that experience at the same time of the anti-stress, you're in a completely relaxed, open state of mind, and then you're feeding your brain right, it's, it's an amazing combination. You get much more clarity from it. Um, your brain actually utilizes it at a much higher level. And um, I think it's probably the best combination you can do. Mm-hmm. So on, that, on the same topic, um, what are your perspectives on the dietary front, you know, um, in terms of, I guess I'll take it in this direction, in terms of like a vegetarian vegan or quote-unquote like paleo type of approach um a lot of there can be a lot of confusion when somebody is looking at all these prospect of diets um, or lifestyles what are your take on 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 that subject in relation to brain health well i think that any diet you go on for um your health that makes you feel good as long as it's regulating your blood sugar mm. then i think it's probably a good diet until you learn something better and and to clarify that is a lot of people will go on uh really restrictive diets that are way too much grain and vegetable and and fruit those types of things and they have their blood sugar just goes up and down way too much and you have too many spikes in it. So any diet you eat that keeps your blood sugar fairly regulated is going to be good for you in the long term. I honestly feel, and this is just my personal opinion, unless you supplement well with the vegan diet and in somewhat even the vegetarian, there's just certain things you're going to be missing as far as your brain's concerned. And so I really love, uh, it's kind of funny, I really love the paleo movement 
but I don't eat meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't feel you have to be as restrictive as a lot of them are with grains. You know, I don't eat a lot of grains. Um, I notice as I get older that I don't do as well on them or I don't need that much of it as I've gotten older. But I'm still, I like rice once in a while with certain dishes. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to compromise my meal that needs to have rice in it with a certain curry because Mm -hmm. it's not fitting into a profile for somebody's diet. But I don't eat it all the time. I like quinoa, don't eat it all the time. But I like a lot of the principles of paleo because they do pay attention to brain function. You'll notice they talk about getting omega-3 fatty acids, essential types of fat, fuel for your brain. So I think there's a nice kind of a balance between the paleo and the vegetarian vegan crowd if you can kind of meet somewhere in that medium there and which is what I try to do a lot I was a strictly a vegetarian for almost 30 years and then now I eat some fish three or four times a week and I seem to feel much better on that and I've always eaten eggs I've never gone so strict that I well I did for a little while but I've never in the last 20 years gone so strict where I don't include eggs or something in my diet. So I think we have to pay more attention to what makes us feel really good. And today, there's probably nothing that's more important to pay attention to than your thought process and your brain because we're just having a, it seems almost epidemic, the amount of stuff that's going on with brain function. (laughs) Absolutely. I could go on a whole tangent about that. Um, just Just from the perspective of, if we look at who's running the whole show and then we start to think about the decisions being made and then we piece together the the adage, you are what you think about and you are what you eat, it kind of like you have to at some point put the pieces together and think, okay, maybe the subtle energies of my food are becoming a part of my thought process and the decisions that are being made are inf- are influenced by food on some level as I know is blasphemous so that might sound to some people but um, but anyways uh, you ma- <laughs> you mentioned eggs and I just wanted to um, bring that up for a minute because I get asked a lot by um, a lot of people that want to do a dance they're not going to eat meat um, they're not going to eat fish uh, but they they're open to doing some kind of dance and I've done that dance many times um, eggs don't seem to really um, metabolically fit into my thing, although that's just where I'm at right now. But at one point, um, eggs was a very anabolic and very brain supportive thing for me. So um, I'd like to touch on that for the benefit of anyone that may be entertaining it, but may not know why that would be a good thing. Well, eggs are one of the most... Um Potent natural sources of lecithin, which is a very great fat to have in your system, um, and also omega-3 fatty acids. So you are getting a very potent brain food whenever you eat an egg. Now, it does make a difference what type of egg that is. It makes a difference um, whether it's organic, what the chicken's been eating. I mean, you get into all the different aspects of eggs. So you want to buy healthy eggs and, and the best quality fresh eggs you can get. But they're a very potent life force. And I always laugh when I look at how in the West here, how we look at eggs and how you know they look at eggs in China. I remember reading years ago in China that they consider eating more than 
three, maybe four eggs in a week, way too much egg because an egg is such a powerful food that they don't know if the body can withstand that much powerful food, right? <laughs> Whereas in the West, we tell people not to eat more than two eggs or three in a week because it'll kill you because it's bad for your heart, right? Which oh, not figured out isn't, isn't true. It doesn't have any effect on it, actually. Right. The cholesterol thing's a, a, a good hour-long discussion in and of itself. But um, So it's interesting to see how cultures look at food. I myself... Um, find it to be a good food for me and also you have to look at how you actually prepare them the best way to eat an egg is have the the yolk where it's actually running mm-hmm. you know the egg white needs to be cooked but the the yolk needs to be in a creamy consistency because then you're not destroying the essential fats and things in it and it's really good for you but you know if you're not into eating that I'm sure you can find other ways of getting uh, omega threes in your diet, and you know, and it's a complex thing with omega threes. But if you have to take fish oil or you have to take um, DHA from a vegetarian source, there's ways of feeding your brain in particular. But I think the whole DHA issue is so important for almost everybody that they should be conscious of getting that type of fat in their diet every single day. Absolutely. Um... And one of the things on on the essential, um, the omega three essential fatty acids like EPA and DHA that I came across, which um, at risk of like really going into a long thing, but um, I feel like it's a really cool perspective that I've never really heard anyone else talk about. I came across, I'm sure you know the term accelerated glycation end products, ages, sure. um, but I came across a new term called. ALE, accelerated lipooxidative uh, end products. And I had never heard that term before, but then I, I ju- it's basically just the end products of fat or oil metabolism, oil oxidation, basically. And one of the things is um, polyunsaturated fats, which omega-3s are part of that classification, are highly susceptible to oxidation, to heat, right, and to the, to the digestive process. So um, one of the interesting strategies I came across was combining omega-3 oils with a saturated fat like coconut oil to shield the delicate omega-3s from digestive oxidation, well, I haven't heard that one. I I do know, you know, I don't know much about that particular topic. I do know that one of the things a lot of people miss when they're talking about fats and getting so much fat into their system is that fat turns rancid pretty easily. And unless you're actually matching that intake up with some food source or supplement of vitamin E and some other antioxidants, flavonoids, vitamin C, in your system, it's real easy for that fat to turn into something that's damaging to your body. So you can't just eat a ton more of fat and not compensate even for that being in your system and being new because the body has to have a certain level of things to protect that fat from breaking down and turning into something that's harmful to your system. I, I I remember getting Udo's oil and just drinking it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a good idea to me at the time. 
Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of how we all do when we get into things. We do it excessively, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what happens to everybody that gets into the health field. Yeah. Wow. Um, this was fantastic. I, I already know that we're going to have to get you back on the show again because um, I, can, I can feel with the flow and the momentum that we're really just scratching the surface. But um, actually... Roger, before we go, I can't let it go without asking you this final, this final content question. Um, and this is how I want to say it, is that I want to I know, and I'm sure the audience will be curious about this, what are your favorite three Jing herbs, Qi herbs, and Shen-specific herbs? So that would be nine herbs total. Okay. That's that's not a hard question. Mm. Uh, my favorite Shen herbs are reishi mushroom, wild ginseng, and I won't denote between wild American or Chinese. They both have their own special properties, but I'll just say wild ginseng and asparagus root. I, I you know a lot of people don't use asparagus root. It's in some formulas, but. For me, especially if you're someone that has issues with grief or lung issues, asparagus root, it definitely put wings on my heart, which is what got me started in looking at Chinese herbology. And so then as far as the chi tonic, uh, my favorite, one of my favorites is astragalus. And I like uh, an herb called Attractylodes, which... Mm isn't an herb that you would buy by itself, but it has an amazing effect on your digestive energy. And it's a very powerful physical energy herb. And it's especially good for vegetarians or vegans. In fact, vegetarians and vegans would would do really well at adding some sort of chi tonic like four major herb or something or six major herb to their system because it keeps your digestive fire where it's supposed to be, and it and it also attractylodes moves excessive moisture out of the system, which is important in vegetarian and raw food and all those different things. So astragalus, attractylodes. I also love schizandra. Schizandra is a chi tonic, but it's not looked at as a chi tonic for digestive issues so much, even though it is. But it's also an herb that opens up your lungs. It's a tonic, a chi tonic for your lungs very detoxifying to your liver and your lungs and it also has a very brightening effect on your mind it has this effect of helping the energy move up and down your spine into your brain that um, I find very uh, fascinating it has a very mind clearing effect for a chi tonic now as far as jing tonics I love hosho wu I've always you know loved that herb and uh it's one of my favorites. Lychee berries I've always had a, a great, you know, kind of a relationship with. I don't know. It's, I, have a, <laughs> I had a great experience with lychee berries when I was an apprentice sweeping the floors at the herb shop. So that herb has never left my mind. It's always kind of like one of my favorite things because it was a favorite story of mine. It was one of the first times I felt um, outside of just eating something, I felt energetics in a, in a space was with an experience with lychee berries or what they call lyceum. And then as far as my other, my third favorite Jing tonic, I'd have to look at something like, uh, 
I'd have to say Reishi again. Mm. And, you know, people won't ever say that, but Reishi, once you, you know, it's an herb that affects all your glands. And this is the beauty of Reishi mushroom. It affects every single gland in your body. And when you relax a little bit, that's really that whole experience of relaxing, which is a Shen, more of a Shen experience, is what builds up your Jing anyway. Um, you can't build Jing if you're tense and you're uptight because the body's not in a position to do that. It's, but once you relax, then your adrenals almost open up kind of like a, a little a baby bird waiting to be fed. They open up and they're just being, they're taking in energy. And so besides the fact that reishi allows you to open up, to put you in a position to take in or, or soak up energy, it still in and of itself helps you build blood and helps you build jing at the same time. So um, reishi really is one of those quintessential uh, adaptogenic herbs and the fact that it'll go to any gland in your body that actually is imbalanced at the time and spend a little time there before it goes somewhere else. And that's what all true adaptogens do. But uh, I like reishi as a gin tonic too. That's fantastic. Um, the reason I, I asked in pairs of three too is because I really wanted to to give all the, the listeners kind of a, a primary, secondary, and tertiary um, lineup of herbs that they can create an actual formula or tonic with. So using the three herbs out of each one of those those energetic systems, if you will, the three treasures, I think is a really great way to go. It, it is. And you know, I work with almost all those herbs every single day. So it's kind of funny. But you know, I have my original experience. That's how I got into Chinese herbology. And from that experience, I made special things out of these same herbs we're talking about. And even today, it's, you know, that experience was in 1990. So 26 years later, even today, like my whole business today is based on those same herbs and that same experience. And it's just, it's like a, every month or every year is a deepening of understanding that experience. Mm. You know, and that's what led me to, you know, form HerbWorks, create Tian Chi, do all these different things was really that experience. So it was pretty profound for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, what a way, what a, what a way to conclude. I, I'd say that this is the, this is the time and would love to have you back on the show, um, at the right time and, and dive into a number of different topics. But I am so happy and grateful that you were able to join us for the show, and I got a lot out of it. If our viewers are still listening, I am sure that they got a lot out of it. I recommend everyone listening to this, take this this podcast and take all these podcasts as free education, because essentially that's what this is, and education of the highest caliber, if I may say so myself. Um, really take advantage of this. Listen to this over and over. In fact, get off your butt, um, if you may be on your butt, and go for a walk <laughs> and listen to this while you're walking. I guarantee the energy, the blood flow will cause euphoric states of inspiration and ideas will come to you as you get moving and listen to um, information like this podcast. So 
thank you so much, Roger. Um, where can everybody find more information about you and your work? Well, my work is basically all found at HerbWorks.com. And that's where I, I make two products at the moment, Tian Chi and Inner Peace. They're both adaptogenic formulas. One's for uh, anti-stress, brain function, and having fun at work. And the other one's more uh, as a relaxer at night, a restorative adaptogenic formula. So, But I'm at HerbWorks.com, and you can contact me through that website, and that's where you find my stuff. Great. And you also have a, a really great YouTube channel, too. I do, but you're going to laugh. Um, being um, not technologically advanced, um, I don't know the address to tell you to get to that. <laughs> I think I think if I <laughs> well well definitely people can type in Roger Drummer that that will be effective. Um, I think if I remember the channel is actually under Herbworks. Um, probably is. My I, business partner is probably arranged that. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I have to tell you, I rarely go and look at anything that I ever do. <laughs> mm. Well, your stuff is reaching a lot of people. You have some stuff that I saw was like, had like 70,000 or even more views. Um, really? Yeah, you better oh. go back and check some of that okay, out. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I have to. Um, you have a you had a video on why not to drink Red Bull or something like that. Oh. I think that has like sixty thousand views. I, I just glanced over and saw that, but <laughs> well, is that why that Red Bull truck's parked across the street? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably not the only one. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, hey, I enjoyed being on. It was great. Yeah, my pleasure. And for all of you out there listening, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show with our special guest, Roger Drummer. Check out his work, dig into it. Like I said before, listen to this podcast over and over as much as you feel inclined to. And we will see you next time on the next episode. Aloha.